Suicide is the last attempt at stopping pain. Have you ever wondered what it feels like during those last few moments of desperation? Ever thought about what goes through someone's mind as they plan out how to end their own life? That last moment before it's all over and the darkness takes them away? Before it all goes quiet? No one to call for help. Nobody to turn to. The noises all around you go silent, and in one brief moment you make a choice. For some, their last choice. How do I know? Because I was there. All right, let's do it. Making plans with the boys. Turn down the music. There you go. Okay. Listen, I wasn't trying to bum everybody out, but that intro is supposed to mean something because it's real. Well, think about what I'm telling you here. You don't. This won't take a real long time, and I'm not going to go too deep, but I am going to give you some personal information. So when you're done, please delete this. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, we're talking about death, and death is really hard to deal with. Uh, and when it's a suicide, it's 10 times worse, not for the person who died. It's harder for the people left behind. And I want you to think about something. Every person that is seriously considering suicide, they know everyone is going to think less of them. They know everyone is going to call them a coward. They're going to point the finger and say they took the easy way out. They're going to give them every name and label they can. They know when they die, they're leaving potentially a wife or children, pets, unpaid bills. Yeah. They know 100% they will be talked about and looked on poorly. And they're leaving everybody behind in a terrible way. Even if it's just emotions, it's bad, it's hard, it's rough, and it's unfair. Yeah. Let alone if there's children involved that needed a parent or financial obligations that are no longer going to be able to be paid. Those are very powerful things for a person who's considering suicide to deal with. And they do it anyway. Or they consider it anyway. Now you think about that. What is so powerful? What is so overwhelming? What could possibly be so deeply entwined in a person that they're considering suicide or commit suicide when they know all of these other things are hanging over them when they're gone? That's usually what everybody tells Someone who's suicidal, oh, you have children, you have a wife, you have obligations, you have people that love you, you have people, you have so much going for you, and they still 
contemplate suicide. And why? Why, if you have so many things going for you, why, if you have all of these obligations, why on earth would you think about leaving this planet? Why would you think about killing yourself? And that's the other thing they ask you. First, your friends come to you and they list you all of your responsibilities. Then they tell you all the things you have to live for, as if we haven't gone through all those things already. Then they sit you down and say, why? Why, why, why are you doing this? Why are you thinking about this? And it's impossible sometimes to put it into words. Now, I'm going to try because I've been there. I'm going to try to tell you. And don't think you're going to get some powerful salvation at the end of this. I, I doubt you will. But it will give you some insight if there's someone with a problem nearby, if there's something going on with someone in your life, maybe this will give you a little bit of insight. All right? For me, it started back around 2009, 2010, and it was simple. Uh, I had stress. Uh, I had eight children, and I had a business I was trying to run. The housing market had collapsed. Everybody was out of work. The country was falling on its face, and I was trying to keep my head above water uh, just like everybody else. Now, there's some good things that happened in my life that helped me out. There's some bad things that have happened in my life that set me back. But the bottom line was was that I needed to make those decisions and keep pushing in the right direction because I had kids, and I started to feel the stress. And then it was the stress every day. And then it was not just at night in the evenings, then it was during the, the mid-afternoon, then it became the mid-mornings, and the feelings would just come and go, and then they became more constant. Until I eventually was living 24 hours a day with some level of discomfort of some level of anxiety, of some level of stress, 24 hours a day. And then it slowly became worse. Now, I remember somewhere around 2012, I kind of had, um, I, won't, I won't say a breakdown, because it, it certainly was not that, but it was a moment when I stopped, I remember talking to my wife in our bathroom, and it was a cry for help. I remember that. I'll admit, to you, I'll, I'll admit to you it was that. And I basically told her everything going on, I don't know what to do. I can't take it anymore. And I didn't tell her I was killing myself. I didn't say anything other than she saw me finally break down and ask for help from her. Now, I'm not sure what I expected I'm not sure when I finally got to a point where I said, uh, something's going wrong inside of my head, I can't fix it, and I'm losing my goddamn mind. I told her I was serious, I told her I couldn't continue on like this, not in my life, not in the business, not in the marriage, not as a father. I, I was losing, losing my mind, and it was bothering me to the point where I finally broke down in front of her and told her. And like I said, I don't, I don't know what I was expecting from her. But what I got from her was yelling at me. She got mad. She said, this isn't my problem. I'm not qualified to fix it. You go get some help. And she stomped out of the room. Now, for those of you 
who are were raised or are have been raised who are thinking like an old school person you think in the generation x terms and the boomers before of you you got a problem you stuff it down deep inside you suck it up buttercup you don't you don't say anything to anybody you just shut up you deal with it and you lead all right well that had been me yeah and at that moment when i was reaching out for help from my best friend, from my wife. She reminded me clearly I was supposed to shut up, suck it up, bury it deep inside. This was not her problem. Her problem was laundry and cooking and spending money and luncheons with her friends and Starbucks with her daughters. She was very clear on telling me when I broke down, this is your problem, go fix it. That's a very that's a very 50s mentality, isn't it? <laughs> Not only do the men tell that to themselves, but to have your woman look at you and go, don't you remember the rules we're playing by? Suck it up. Fix it. Yeah, that was, uh, there was more stress after that. But it, the stress would come and go. Um, there was an underlying feeling all the time. And it's irritating, and you can't get rid of it. And you you learn to just deal with it. All right. So now we get to, we're in 2012, 2013-ish. And now the stress and anxiety, for some reason with me, became more focused. It happened at 3.30 in the morning, every single morning. And it was so bad, I couldn't control it. I didn't know what was wrong. I woke up scared. I was freaking out like something was going wrong, but nothing was going wrong. And there was no getting around it. There was no there's nothing you could do. You were just you were awake and you were standing there. You put your back up against the wall of your bedroom. You're freaking out like like something's happening, but nothing's happening. A friend of mine, a, a Christian counselor named Dave, sent me to um he paid and sent me, made me go to a counselor. I think I went to maybe seven sessions. And one of the first things that this counselor said is that anxiety, that freaking out for no reason. She says, imagine if you were walking through the woods and a bear started racing towards you, coming down the trail, right at you, growling and snarling and going to eat you. Your body creates a chemical. Your brain creates a chemical that fight or flight. And your body kicks into gear, baby. Your mind starts going, we got to get out of here or we got to plan a fight. We got, come on, man, we got to do something now. And your, your body kicks into adrenaline and this chemical releases inside your brain and you get, you get after it. I guess that's how humans work. This is what I was told. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I said, okay, I get that. But guess what? Every, every morning at 3.30 in the morning, there's no bear chasing me around my bedroom. And the counselor was a woman, and she's very kind, and she said, no. But imagine your brain releases that chemical for no reason at all. I, I was stunned. I thought, wait a second, that, that can't happen. She said, yeah, sure it can. All of a sudden, you could be just sitting at a Dodger game, or you could be enjoying a picnic or driving down the road, and all of a sudden, your brain releases that chemical, and your, your body and your mind are freaking out, going, all right, let's go, let's go, let's figure this out. Let's, let's either run or get after it, man. We, we got a fight coming, and there's nothing going on, but your brain doesn't shut off. Oops. 
I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Now, she said that there's there's drugs, there's pills you can take that shut that off and help. And I've never been a pill guy. I don't even like taking aspirin my entire life. But I relented. I said, okay, I'll try it. So now, uh, if the, the plan was is that if the feeling ever came back, you take a pill and it shuts off the thing in your head and goes away and you're better again. All right. That kind of worked. But I'll tell you what worked even better was my wife getting leukemia. When she got leukemia, we all got leukemia. The entire family did. It doesn't just affect the person who's sick. It affects everybody in one way or another. And my focus changed on everything in life to her. And it was almost like for that 18 months that she was fighting for her life, um, I, I look back on it now and I don't remember ever having any severe anxiety. Why? That made me think that it was controllable. If my mind, if my body can set it aside because there's a bigger fish to fry, there's a bigger bear in the room, I'm not worried about that other one anymore. If my brain and my body can shut it down to address a bigger problem, why, why can't I do that? Why don't I have that control? Maybe I'm not trying hard enough. Well, uh, she remains cancer-free to this day. And as the years passed, my anxiety crept back in. Drugs or no drugs, pills or no pills. Uh, drinking Jack Daniels didn't help me. Uh, taking the pills didn't help me. It got to be overwhelming. The, the bad thing inside of me was winning. It got to the point that those 3.30 in the morning rounds of battle and, 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 and rounds of fighting were so bad that I knew I wanted to die. I would plan how I was going to get up and go get a pistol and shoot myself. I eventually had to put every firearm in the garage in a safe because I knew that I could not trust myself. I would lay with my face down in the bed and I would grab the sheets in my fist and squeeze them as hard as I could and just grip my teeth and lay there literally writhing in this in this weird anguish for about 40 minutes and then it would start to loosen up and go away and the underlying feeling was still there but it wasn't as bad i could deal with it but those 330 expeditions every morning they about killed me so let's come back to what we talked about in the beginning what does it feel like for someone who's getting that close to ending their life I said I would tell you, and, I, and, I, and I'm being honest. I'm telling you the feelings all the way up until then. You can't control them. You can't stop them. I've told you what other people around you try to say, the good and the bad, what they try to do. I've warned you. Don't be one of those people. And don't be mad if some of those people are talking to you that way right now. They don't know what else to say. I remember one morning... Um, I think my wife had taken all the kids um, to grandma's house to go swimming. And I was sitting thinking that I can't do this anymore. That I knew another 3.30 session was coming around. And they were gone. And I thought, all right. Oh, clean your gun. Make it look like an accident. 
Or not, who cares? Just shoot yourself and get it over with. Now, I told you that I put everything away, and I did. And I didn't go get it because when those strong moments came, I was too weak and I would have given in. I was smart enough during what I call my sober times to to put things away and orchestrate a physical barrier in my life that would help me in my moments of weakness because when they came, I had no control whatsoever, or very little, let's say. But shooting myself, do you know why I didn't shoot myself? It wasn't because I wanted to live, and it wasn't because I was I was so strong that I talked myself out of it. I didn't end up not shooting myself because my pistol was too far away in a lock safe. Oh, I'm sure that helped. It was a good deterrent, but I remember I didn't want my wife to have to clean up the mess. I pictured my wife with a bucket and a sponge on her knees crying, cleaning up wherever I had shot myself. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't I couldn't think that way anymore. So for about a year I devised a way to hang myself off of my back deck. And I'm not sure what kind of a statement I thought I would be making, but I remember I didn't want my youngest son to find me first. I think I thought if anybody else found me, they could cut me down and call an ambulance and it wouldn't be a big deal, but I I couldn't stand the thought of my youngest son finding me first. So uh, I moved on. I wanted to think, could you overdose? Could you, could you poison yourself? You know, what would be painless and what wouldn't make a mess and what would just look like you were laying there asleep? And I thought, well, maybe there's some sort of a, a poison or something you could take along that line or some, some pills that would do you in. And you come to find out there is, and they're not super hard to get a hold of. But I never did. I never bought them. But I remember one of the counseling sessions I went to, and this struck a nerve, when all of a sudden the counselor looked at me and said, have you actually planned your suicide? And I said, yes, many, many times. Now, this became a sticky situation because she was supposed to report me. <laughs> she was supposed to get me hauled away in handcuffs. I guess uh, when somebody gets to that point where they're not just thinking about it, but when they're visualizing it, uh, when, they're, when they're actually planning it out, <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a sign. I guess, apparently that's a bad sign. And you're, as a mandatory reporter, you're supposed to say something. Come to find out, I think the dividing line was, um, in her mind, you know, did you want to commit suicide? Yes. How were you going to do it? I was going to hang myself. Did you plan out where and how you were going to do it? Yes, I did. Did you actually go get a rope that would hold you? Well, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't go get a chair to stand on either. Okay. <laughs> I guess for her, that was the dividing line. But when you're sitting there, often alone, when you are already feeling the weight of the anxiety of whatever chemical release is going on or stress or whatever situation you're in 
that makes you feel like you have no way out, like you you feel this tidal wave is about to crash down upon you at any time, and you're sitting there alone and quiet, and your mind wanders to suicide, and then your mind begins to use your eyes and look around the room, finding a way to do it. It's not scary. At least it wasn't for me. I wasn't afraid of leaving. I wasn't afraid of what was going to be said about me when I was gone. Oh, I knew. I knew all the things. We talked about it in the beginning. I knew. But the feeling inside, the anxiety, the stress, the overwhelming fear, maybe even guilt. I don't, I don't know what word to, to use to describe it. But it's your heart is pounding. Your eyes are swelling up. You want to cry. You want to scream. You want it to be over with. But you're not afraid. Or at least I wasn't. And there was no one to turn to. There wasn't anybody home. It was just me. There isn't anybody to reach out to. I mean, I could have made a phone call, I guess. But I wanted to go. didn't matter the chemicals and the pills. It didn't matter the whiskey. It didn't matter the being alone. It didn't matter the consequences of my actions, scripturally and biblically. It didn't matter the damage to the children or the financial situation. I needed out. And I didn't care anymore who it hurt. I wanted out so bad that almost every waking minute of my life I was thinking about it and when 3.30 came around, that was the big battle every day. I was exhausted after that 3.30 session came and went. Oftentimes I was sweating from just gripping the sheets with my face buried in the mattress trying to hold on. I look back and I can reason my way through it. I can tell myself everything that was right and wrong. But what I can't figure out is why it started. Was it age? When you when you get older, your eyes start to go bad a little bit. Your your joints and your knees and your ankles don't work as well. Is it is that just a thing when you get older, when you get into your 40s and 50s, is it just something that happens that your brain doesn't quite work the way it used to? And here's even the bigger mystery. Why did it go away? I haven't had those feelings now for years. Not even a little. I didn't train them to go away. I'm not taking pills every day. I'm certainly not drinking every day. Is it something you outgrow? Because my worldly circumstances have certainly been worse and better and then worse again. So it's not like, oh, you finally got things worked out and everything's okay now. No, no, that's not it. But I can tell you that feeling of dread and that feeling of despair is as real as any feeling you'll ever have any time in your life. It's like someone taking their nails down a chalkboard inside your head and you can't stop it. 
It's like someone poking you slowly with a knife, but you can't tell from where, but it hurts. So where does this leave us? It just comes on slowly, then it comes on strong. Then it enwraps and engulfs your entire life, every part of your emotions, every part of your being. Nothing can fight against it. No one can help you reason it out. No amount of good things you're living for can stop you. No amount of bad things and punishments can stop you. Chemicals and alcohol, for me, worked for a little while but didn't, didn't fix it. But eventually it did go away. And I'm all right now and I can even talk about it without losing my mind. But let's get to the real point. Let's get to the thing you've been waiting for this whole time. None of this conversation matters if you don't have a result. And more importantly, if you don't have a fix or a cure. Would you be happy if I said, I don't know what happened to me? I don't know how it got fixed? That would be disappointing. What if I didn't have a direct answer? Would you turn off the podcast now? What if I didn't have anything concrete? Well, fortunately, I do have something. I have one more piece of information to add, and you're not going to like it. A lot of you are guessing right now, shouting it out in your car as you drive. A lot of you are rolling your eyes already. But if I tell you that we can apply the scientific method to my answer, we can perform a little Sherlock Holmes and eliminate everything else as a possibility, then whatever's left must be true no matter how outrageous, right? If I tell you that going cold turkey and gritting it out didn't fix it, if I tell you alcohol didn't fix it, if I tell you every indulgence I could find on the planet Earth didn't fix it, and when I'm done trying everything, falling down, getting back up again, when I finally look up into the light and I stare at the one option left, the one thing that remained, perhaps we would all have to consider, that was what fixed it. God. Uh, how many people turned off their radios right then? How many people are done right then? Oh, I know. Because you get pushed by people all along the way. That's one of the things that people beat into you. Oh, you have so much to live for. Your family, your good things, your bad things, your job, your car. You know, you don't leave people. In the whole thing comes in. What do they what do they push right inside there? You should turn to God and God can fix you and God can save you. And it always is just another ridiculous thing that you don't want to hear, don't want to try, and doesn't matter. So I'm going to give you this at a little bit of an angle, okay? Other people were praying for me. Other people were pulling on me in a direction to listen, to receive God, not to, to be saved. They weren't praying for salvation. They weren't, they weren't praying for me to convert. There was a lot of people in my life that were praying that God would work on my heart. 
And I don't know how they did that. I don't know if they told God, hey, work on his heart and we'll get him over to Christianity. Uh, Relieve his anxiety and his suicidal thoughts and he'll come around, God. He'll be a better person. I I don't know if they prayed for to God saying, please don't let this idiot off himself. He has children. He has a wife. There's people that depend on him. I don't I don't know what they did. But in the end, nothing worked. In the end, nothing helped me. Except there was an uncontrollable peace that came over me from time to time that was completely 100% not my doing outside of my body that came to me in a way that I can't explain. All right, you want to call it supernatural? We can pretend there was aliens. We can pretend I was just having a good day that day. But the truth is, is when those feelings calmed me down, I remembered those calm days and those calm times and those calm feelings when I was losing my mind. I remembered, hey, there are normal days ahead of you. You just have to get there. There are calm feelings ahead of you. You just have to get there. And thinking about them made them happen more often. Thinking about them allowed them to show up with more consistency. I didn't do it. Not at all. So whatever deity you're praying to, it's, and there's Hindus and there's Buddhists and there's Catholicism and Christianity and there's a host in between. I'm not, I'm not here preaching to you any gospel. I am telling you that when I have exhausted and I did every resource known on this planet and nothing was working. Oh, it things took the edge off a little bit here and there. Every addiction I thought I could find or try, oh, it helps you for a moment. And the one thing that came back to me, and I'll, I'll tell you, the guy's name was Dave. Uh, there was many, many helping and praying and pushing and wondering and, and trying to drag me across the finish line. But one man, his name's Dave, I won't give you his last name, quietly stood next to me every chance he got and never gave up on me and kept praying and kept dropping hints that God was working on me. I didn't believe it. In fact, most of the time I'd yell at him and tell him deliberately I didn't want to believe it. Didn't care. Didn't want to believe it. Wanted it out of my life. Wasn't going to happen. But like I said, in the end, what else could it have been? For me personally, we're just talking about my personal journey, giving you some insight. Those of you who have no idea what this is like, well, maybe I drew a, drew a picture for you. For those of you living with it, you're nodding your head and you're crying in your car on the side of the road going, holy shit, that's me. Yeah, because I did the same thing in the side of the road in my truck, listening to someone speak also going, holy shit, that's me. Believe me, I've been on both sides of the fence. So all I'm letting you know is a personal experience. What else could it have been? What else was there? What else was present in my life? What could it have been? Nothing. There was nothing else there. For me, that became the answer, and I didn't want it to be. 
I hated that as my answer. But when you lift your head up, you finally open your eyes and it's bright. (laughs) You start squinting. (laughs) When your eyes come into focus, whatever you see that's left is the answer. I didn't know what it was going to be. I just knew that it was over. I knew that I had survived it. I knew that I had clawed my way back somehow and I didn't know who to thank. I didn't know who to give credit to. I just knew a list of things that didn't work. Oh, I had a list, and it was written in ink, buddy. Those things were permanently in my ledger as things that didn't work. All that was left was some good people around me praying to God and a little bit of divine intervention. And I say a little bit because while it was a magnitude of times 10 on my end, in the scope of God, it wasn't even a millisecond or a grain of sand of effort from him. But I'm thankful he gave it to me. I'm thankful for that millisecond. I'm thankful for that grain of sand now. And that's it. I'm going to stop there. I don't, I don't want to talk about uh, you know, any deals that I made with God, any promises that I made, any, any, any deals that I said, well, I'm going to do this for you now that you did that for me. No, not, I'm stopping right there. That's it. Those are some of the feelings of despair when you're at your wit's end. Those are some of the roller coasters of emotions, some of the good days and bad days, and how you claw through them and how close you get to not making it through them. And for me, in the end, after I tried everything, that was all that was left. That was the only explanation I had. And now you know. And why isn't it worth a try? Why not? Why not come clean? Why not do it on your own? Yeah, you could. You don't always have to have people around you pushing you in that direction. You can just do it. You can do it from the side of, you, side of the road in the car you're in right now. Come clean. Have a conversation. See if the minute you're done, you don't feel a little bit better. I'm not saying you're fixed, and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just encouraging you to try it. What do you got to lose? You can always kill yourself tomorrow. But today, today, you can have a few words. Maybe change your life. All right, music's coming up. I ran a little bit long, about six or seven minutes longer than I wanted to. Apologies, sorry about that. Uh, This has been a topic you guys have asked me about, emails over and over and over. I've had phone call conversations, email conversations, text message conversations, and a few in person. So I thought I would would come clean today and, uh, and summarize for you. All right. I got to go. I'm out of here. I hope this wasn't too depressing. I hope it was a little bit enlightening. I hope there was something good you got from it. And I will catch all of you on the flip side. Life.